Today's message is entitled, His Right Hand, Our Left Glance. Say it again. His right hand, our left glance. His right hand, our left glance. So this week, I happened to be, or last week or so, I happened to be in a place where I wasn't familiar with where things were. So I'd ask someone, uh, and they had to give me instructions on how to find it. Uh, So they had to show me where they kept what I was looking for. And so today, I'm going to make this lesson really simple for you. I'm going to give you directions uh, to find what you're looking for. And it's not hard at all, but it goes like this. So, from right where you're standing, or from right where you are sitting... I want you to first look up and then glance slightly to the left. That's it. It's pretty simple. Look up and glance slightly to the left. If you can see the picture on the screen, if you put it back on the screen, Joy, That's the picture you should be having. Look up with a slight glance to the left. So whatever you're looking for this morning, you'll discover that it's not very hard to find. It's as simple as a look up and a glance to the left. Today's sermon is entitled, His Right Hand is Our Left Glance. So it's not like the GPS with five turns, go down to this street, turn right, then go down the next street, turn left, turn right down at the second pole at the corner, then make a U-turn on Century then go two freeways down, and then eight more streets to go through. No, no. What you're looking for and what you need is straight up and to the left. (laughs) This is good. So let me show you what I mean by that. Check this out. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Notice that. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So, fixing our eyes on Jesus, who is at the right hand of the throne of God. So, first of all, if we're looking up to God, we've got the position of Jesus. He's at the right hand of the throne of God. So, if we're looking up, then our heads should always be up unless we're praying. So if you're looking for anything, the direction we are pursuing or climbing toward is up. And I notice that often I put my head down when I, you know, when I'm sad, I put my head down. When I'm depressed, I, I put my head down. Or when I'm stressed and struggling, I put my head down. When actually that's the time to be what? Looking up 
and to the left. But it's not just that you're looking up. You, you don't just look up to God. You must have a glance slightly to the left. Uh, watch this. Why? Because Jesus is at God's right. So if we're looking up to heaven and Jesus is at God's right hand, then God's right hand must be our left glance. You get it? So if God is in heaven, this is his right hand, and we're facing God in heaven, his right is our left. You tracking? So God's right hand becomes our left glance and we must learn to gaze slightly to the left. I'm going to do it the whole sermon, so you may as well get used to it. So if I was giving you directions, I would say, look up, then slightly to the left, and you'll find what you need. So if this is true, let's see if we can find an example of it. Okay, PC, what are, you're making this up. Let's look at this. In Acts 7, 54 through 56, the text says this. Here's an actual example of looking up and looking left. The text says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick and they began gnashing their teeth at him. Talking about Stephen, the deacon Stephen, who was going to be stoned. Verse 55. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, that's looking up, and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing where? At the right hand of God. So if he saw Jesus, he looked up and he looked to the left because Jesus is at the right hand of God. So verse 56 says, and he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up. And the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Ah, this is good. This is good. So, so check this out. Listen, we've got in verse 55, we have where he says he was full of the Holy Spirit. He was being stoned. He was being persecuted for preaching the gospel, for serving God. He was up against people on earth who were hating him. And the text says, the text says he was full of the Holy Spirit and he was able to look up to heaven, look slightly to the left, and he saw Jesus standing there. He was able to look up when he was in the middle of trouble. How many times, when's the last time you looked up and to the left when you were in the middle of trouble? But the text said, look at verse 55 again. It says, but being full of the Holy Spirit, that's where it is. He gazed intently. And so the text seems to suggest it takes the help of the Holy Spirit to help a frail prisoner in the dens dismal dungeons of life, ratcheted by the demons of oppression and unfairness, to look up to heaven and to see a glorious sight like Jesus at the right hand of God. It takes the Spirit of God to help you see heaven open when you're dealing with the oppression of a co-worker or an ex or a friend or an enemy, someone who doesn't like you. It takes the power of the Holy Spirit for you to see up and to the left. What I'm telling you is, you, even the Beatitudes, blessed are those uh, who, who uh, 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 I forget it exactly. Blessed are those, those who love righteousness, for they shall see God. They shall see God. When you love righteousness, when you're connected with the Spirit, when you're walking with God, the Bible says you can see things that others can't. Watch this now. So, when we are under attack, our first response shouldn't be to clap back, but to be filled with the Spirit so we can see things our enemies can't. Are you tracking? 
So for Stephen, heaven was beaming with glory from his earthly point of view, and it was open to those filled with the heaven spirit. So when you feel oppressed, when you feel attacked, when people are stoning you, what you must learn to do is that his right hand is our left glance, that if we can look up to heaven, we can get clarity about how to respond. And the reason for looking up into the left is so that you get instructions from God on how to respond to the person that is attacking you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So you're looking to, um, you know, my kids, when uh, people would ask them questions, sometimes they didn't know the answer. And, and so th- what they would do is they would look at me, uh, daddy, you know, they'd say, well, well what, what should I say? You know, it's, it's the same thing. You're looking up to Jesus to say, what do I say? How do I respond to this buffoonery? How do I respond to these people who are attacking me? So heaven is a window in which we can peer through in our times of distress and weakness. Heaven is our courtroom where our Juris Doctorate is held in the highest esteem upon our Esquire, Jesus the Christ, ESQ behind his name, JD, that's his degree, Juris Doctorate. He is our attorney at law. It is the place where he calls witnesses who seek to stone us and dares them to cast their first stone if they are not in the same boat as ourselves. Remember the woman with the issue of blood who was caught in the temple and the people were ready to stone her. Jesus showed up and he was kneeling down, writing in the sand. And Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. So Jesus is saying, if you come to me, if you look up into the left, I can speak words. I can create such a guilt on their behalf to where they end up walking away from you because all of a sudden they sense that they are in the same boat as you and they're no better than you. And they realize that they are judging you is judging themselves. And so looking up and looking to the left gives God the opportunity to send them away instead of you threatening them or fighting them. Are you tracking with me? So the text suggests that in matters of the darkest nights, we may not see him sitting, but we'll see him standing up to object, to enter new evidence, to approach the bench of his father on our behalf, or to give closing arguments, or to divert the jury's proclivities towards believing the lie by telling one of his compelling and amazing stories of his life while here on earth. So notice what the text says in verse 55, but being full of the Holy Spirit, being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven, saw the glory of God and Jesus, what? Standing at the right hand of the throne of God. And so what I'm trying to intimate is that when you're in the courtroom and your lawyer is seated at the table, if something is said that the judge is not going to like, or it's not right, your attorney will stand up on your behalf and say, objection, your honor. So when you look up to the left, you see not your attorney sitting down, but when you're in trouble, if you look up, you may see him standing. And when he's standing, it means he has something to say. So I'm trying to get you to see that when trouble is in your life, if you look up into the left, you will see at the right hand of the father, you want to see Jesus because he's got something to say. I know you like to go straight to the father, but we must remember that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the person who we go through to get to the Father. We must go through Christ to get to the Father. And Jesus still serves in that capacity. So he stands up to be on our behalf. So from the heavens, Jesus watches from the skies and peers into our lives as we peer into the heavens. So look at 56. Verse 56 says, he said, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. So from the heavens, our Jesus watches from the skies. He's looking at us and we're looking at him. I have this most adorable picture of my son, Cherry. 
and me. I'm holding him in his in my arms, and he's looking at me with this intense gaze. I mean, he is in my eyes, and I am in his. It is my most favorite picture, my favorite baby picture of Cherry the Fourth. It is a piercing gaze, a father to son look, and that reminds me of how if I look up into the left, he's already looking at me. That he's looking into me because heaven's open and he's standing at the right hand, which means he's aware of what I'm going through. The text suggests that he stands up because he knows what you're going through. Listen, when Stephen looked up, it wasn't that Jesus got up. Jesus was already standing up because he had been watching the people stoning, getting ready to stone Stephen, and Jesus was already aware of the situation. So what I'm saying is by the time you look up and to the left, Jesus is already aware of the situation, and he was waiting to peer into your eyes while you look into his eyes. Oh man, I wish I had some spades players or some bidwiz players because if you're good partners when you're playing cards you can look at their eyes and they can tell you whether or not they have another book or whether to go up or to cut or to pass or whatever I'm telling you sometimes you can look up to God you just get a habit of look up and to the left and you feel something you can sense God saying don't respond or that's not of God or don't do that you can sense it it's heaven talking back to you because God's right hand is our left glance and we must learn to get better at that so he's looking at me I'm looking at him and when I look I'm looking with a glance slightly to the left because he stands and sits at the right hand of the majesty on high so you might ask okay PC I know Stephen you know he was in Acts 7 or whatever he was uh uh he, he was you know special and maybe he has something we don't have. No, 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 no. Where in scripture you're asking does it tell us to do this? Well, I'm glad you asked that. Look at Colossians 3, 1 and 2. The text says, the text says, therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, what does it say? Keep seeking the things where? Where? Above. Where what? Christ is where seated at the right hand of God that is your commission he says keep looking up where Christ is seated at the right hand of God get it in your system that you keep looking and verse 2 says set your mind where on things where above not on things in the earth so here it is beloved if you then call yourselves to be Christian then you must learn to seek to look do you get it I'm going all the way back to my intro I couldn't find something I needed to look for it and when I was looking for it I needed somebody to show me where it is. So when you wake up in the morning, you wake up looking for something. Whoa! So like you're looking for something you need. The things that are above. What do you need? Well, where are you going to find it? I'm not telling you it's down the hall to the left, eight doors down in the basement. You can find what you need by looking up and to the left. Oh man, have you ever been looking for keys and you've looked for two hours, but then you look up and to the left and you say, Jesus, please show me where my keys are. You walk right downstairs and you see oh there are the keys right there because something about looking up to Jesus looking unto Jesus the author and the finisher of my faith so watch this now you have to stop looking to the lateral things in life the text said in verse 2 he said set your mind on things above not on things on the earth so stop looking at lateral things like money stop looking this way at a peer gaze and friends and things and family and status, all that stuff, all those things that are lateral, he says, you're not going to find it. All the things that are same level, they require no left glance. When you look this way, you don't have to glance to the left because what you're looking at is right in front of you because what you're looking at is you. You know you're looking in the right place for help when your head is up and your eyes are slightly glancing to the left. As verse 2 even says, clearly set your affection, set your mind, let your desire and your heart 
your will be for things that are up above, not on things of the earth. Why? Because that's where Jesus sits, on the right hand of God the Father. So what will we find, little Ben, when we glance slightly to the left, when looking upward into heaven? I'm glad you asked that. I'm going to show you what you can expect to see. First of all, we're going to see the author and the perfecter of our faith. Ah, that's what you're going to see. When you look up and to the left, you're going to see the author and the perfecter of your faith. Now look at the text. In Hebrews 12, verse 2, we read it earlier. He said, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Ah, that's who we're looking at. Well, who is he? He is the author and perfecter of our faith. There it is. The text says, well, who's up there? Who are we looking at? The author and perfecter of our faith. Who are we looking at? The author and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down where? At the right hand of the throne of God. So who sits at the right hand of the throne of God? The author and the perfecter of your faith. So when you look up, and slightly to the left, who do you expect to see? The author and the perfecter of your faith. So you look up and to the left when you need to know something. And when we talk about author, we talk about the beginning and the end of something. So if you want to know something from start to finish, where are you going to look? You're going to look up and slightly to the left because the author and the finisher of what your faith is required for is at the right hand of God. Every marriage should look up and to the left because most new couples only look at how love gets started. But you should look to see how it's going to end from the beginning. I ought to change my marriage practices. I ought to have the couple together while I'm getting ready to pronounce them to look up and to the left because I need them to be able to see not only the beginning of a life together, but the ending of a life together as well. So don't be optimistic in emotions. You got to have some spiritual comfort Information from on high that is going to work out. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about people who start out with passion. Oh, the Lord going to do this and, you know, and I'm excited about doing this, but you're scared because you don't know how it's going to work out. Well, if you spend enough time in prayer, if you spend enough time looking up and to the left, God will tell you how it's going to turn out. You don't know all the ins and outs in between, but I can tell you if you do it by faith, God can give you assurance if it's his will and it's going to work out. I know from the beginning and to the end that God is with me. So if couples knew their marriages or relationships from the beginning to the end, I bet we would have fewer divorces. But I digress. Let me go back to this here. So the author and the, 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 the perfecter of our faith, let's look at the author aspect. The author means he is the chief leader of our faith. So I look up to him because he leads what faith is. He is the example of what we're trying to do. He is our predecessor. He precedes us. He is our pioneer. He is the author of whatever it is we're trying to put together. He should be your business mentor when it comes to faith. You look up to him. Don't you say, I look up to Jim. I look up to so-and-so. Why do they say look up? Because you look up to the person who has done it before you. In other words, he has already proven that what you're trying to do, he has done it. And if you trust him, he can cause you to be successful as well. Jesus is not like the family of faith listed in Hebrews 11. He is not like Abraham. He is not like Moses. He is not like Joshua and Gideon listed in Hebrews 11 because they are just like us. So God doesn't say look up to Abraham. God doesn't say look up to Paul. God doesn't say look up to Joshua or look up to Gideon. There's only one you need to look up to and to the left because he's the one who is beyond us. 
he precedes us. He has created what we're trying to do. So to look to peers is often to look at the same thing. So you looking up to this mentor and they let you down. You looking up to your pastor and then he makes a mistake. He he steals the money or whatever he does and now your whole faith is shot. You're wrong for looking up at them. You shouldn't be looking up to your pastor. Don't look up to me. You better look beyond me and look to Jesus because Jesus is the author and the completer of your faith. But to look to Jesus is to look to who is creating the way out, not just one who is looking for the way out. That's the difference. Jesus creates the way out while your peers are also looking for the way out. Let me tell you something. People who are struggling, you talking about, I can't find a job. I can't. Listen, those are same people who are struggling to find a job too. You tell your financial stresses, people got financial stresses too, but they won't tell you the truth. But when you look to Jesus, Jesus ain't got those problems. Jesus don't have problems about paying rent. Jesus don't have problems about being scared of nobody. Jesus don't have problems about worrying about sickness. Jesus don't have those problems. So when you look up into the left, you look at somebody who says, I passed that. And I remember some friend of mine saying, you know, he he had a lot of money and he said, you know, I don't worry about rent. I don't, that's not my problem. I don't, you know, I got enough. I got enough. And and, and when you're past that, you can look up to, to God because he's past the trouble that you're going through. Are you getting what I'm saying? So let me talk about the finisher aspect. He's the perfecter, which means he's the completer of our faith. In other words, he starts it and he finishes it. Jesus fulfilled the ideal of faith. Whatever faith is supposed to be, he designed it from beginning to completion. So if you say you're walking by faith or you're living by faith, God says, I'm at the end of where you're trying to go. I'm at the beginning and I'm at the end. So, and as an added on to the text, the text said, for the joy that was set before him, look at the text, put it back on the screen, please. It says, for the joy set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as an added bonus, the Bible says he endured all the hell he went through. Why? For the joy that he would sit down at the right hand of the Father and be available to take your left glance. So he said, I'm excited to sit at the right hand of God because when they look up and to the left, I want to be there cheesing. Hey, Jesus, hey, here I am. He says, I'm excited. I have joy. And Jesus is saying, I'm joyful about you looking to me. I love it when my kids look to me. I love it when staff come to me. I love it when people call upon my wisdom. It makes me feel good. And don't you know God loves to feel good? He loves to receive pleasure, but we must go to him by faith. Let me move on then. Look at this text. The second thing you're going to see is the highest authority in both heaven and earth. So you're going to be seeing not only the author and the perfecter of your faith, but you're going to see the highest authority, the highest authority. I'm looking up. So when you look up, man, you're looking up beyond your landlord. You're looking beyond your boss. You're looking beyond the IRS. You're looking beyond the credit card company. You're looking beyond your debt. You're looking beyond what the doctor said. You're looking beyond cancer. You're looking beyond leprosy. You're looking beyond uh, emotional distress. You're looking beyond divorce and foreclosure. You're You're looking all beyond that, way beyond the authorities of the earth. And you're looking to God. So he is the highest authority in both heaven and earth. I love that. So look at Matthew 28, 18. It says, Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So I don't know about you, but I like looking up into the left because he's got all authority. In other words, I'm going to go tell God on the devil. I'm going to go tell God on this sickness. I'm going to go tell God on my debt. I'm going to look at my bank account and say, I'm looking up and to the left because God has authority over the banks. God has authority over your FICA score. God has authority over whether the banks give you approval for your home loan. God has authority over the power and the mission of your ministry. God has authority over whether somebody loves you or doesn't or rejects you or whether you're sick or ill. God has the last word. I know the doctor said you got a week left, but God can change it. He gave Hezekiah 15 more years after he prayed. 
So all power, all authority, all exousia belongs to him. So what you gonna look, what you gonna see when you look up, Riri? What you gonna see when you look up into the left? You're gonna see the one with all authority, meaning he has the right to change our situation. He has the authority to change it. He is authorized to answer your needs. In other words, I talked to somebody this week and they said, well, I don't have that information. I'm not clear to give you that information. And where my bank account set up, you need to know. I don't want to talk to you. I want to go directly to the person who has the authority to respond to what I need. When I look up into the left, God says, I have been authorized to answer your need. And you know, sometimes you call people and you say, I need a credit. And they say, well, I'm not authorized to give you more than $25. I mean, $25 ain't going to do nothing for me. But when you go to God, you go to the CEO, not the chief executive officer, but the chief engagement officer, meaning he's willing to engage in our lives. You want to look to him because if anyone can get it done, it's Jesus. Somebody look up and to the left. There it is. And he has the authority in both, watch this, in heaven and in earth. So for those who think Jesus is only powerful over spiritual things, the text says, no, 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 boo. I'm powerful over things on earth too. I'm powerful. I have the authority over a broken carburetor. I have the authority over a broken, a lost job. I have the authority over a sickness, a whole, a broken knee. I have authority over things on earth. Well, how you know, PC? Didn't he tell the mountain to move and it moved? He can tell the waters to part. He parted the Red Sea, the river for Joshua to go through. He waters, uh, he uh, can hold someone, uh, uh, he can hold the water up till somebody walks on it. He tells the, the waters to calm down when the sea was raging. He said, peace be still. He tells, he's got power over stuff on earth. So God, if God can tell a wave on the seas and the beaches to lay down, Hurricane I, I Ian, uh, Hurricane Fiona, and all of these people, uh, or these hurricanes, not people with people's name, God has the power to stop all those. But he doesn't because he allows it. This is the nature of sin. It's the catastrophe of which we live in, which should bolster our trust and faith in him. It should turn us to him. And so, but if he wanted to, if he wanted to tell Ian to settle down, whoo, it would lay right down in an instance. And that's what I think if America, if the world would come together, fall on their knees and cry out to God, he would stop some of this stuff. But we don't do it. And so he has the power to make it rain 40 days and 40 nights for Moses on the earth. He can make a fig tree dry up and a rock give water. He's totally in charge of everything. This man is dropping knowledge. He tells a rock, give him some water. They in the desert. I'm telling you, you sitting around here worrying about your stuff on earth. Go to God, look up and to the left. You'll find the one with the authority over the things on the earth. I don't know about you, but I've prayed some things to happen on earth and they happened on earth. So what else will you find glassing left? Look at me. I'm always, I'm glancing to the left on a map. East is always to the right, right? So because God is omnipresent, Jesus will always be to my left, regardless of where I am. So no matter if I'm here, God always moves with me. So Jesus will always be to the left. If I turn this way, Jesus will always be to the left. It's like the map, no matter where you are, if you're in the dungeon, just look up to the left. If you're facing this way, look up to the left. If you're in the middle of losing a job, look up and to the left. It doesn't matter what your situation is. You just look up and to the left and you will see that God is there to meet your needs. And I need that because sometimes folks, I'm in the wrong place. (laughs) I'm in in the wrong place at the wrong time. And all I need to, I'm going to find it. Dark pitch black. I'm in the darkness. All I need to remember, look up and to the left, I'll find my help. Is anybody tracking? So I'll also find this. I'm wrapping it up. I'm getting ready to close. The advocate. So I find the author and the perfecter of our faith. I find the one with all authority. But now I'm looking at my advocate. The advocate. I love it. Look at this. And 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 says, my little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have, and what? 
advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the, fa- the, the, the righteous. So where is Jesus? Jesus, he is the advocate where? With the Father. Well, where is he? At the right hand of the Father. Jesus Christ is the righteous. So he is the advocate. So 1 John 2 and 1 says we have an advocate. And an advocate is one who publicly supports or affirms or speaks up for me when I need it. In other words, my advocate, when my naysayers are saying you don't qualify, my advocate will stand up and say, uh, but I have reason to believe that they can do it. He speaks the reference we put on our resumes. In other words, look up until you need a reference. You need a reference. Look up into the left. Jesus will deposit. He will speak up for you. He will say, I can verify where their heart is. He can attest to where our lives have been. He can attest to the faith and the trust we have. But an advocate, y'all, is slightly different from an intercessor. And I need to make sure we understand the distinction. An advocate will speak up positively and powerfully about what you have done and what you can do. So looking up and glancing to the left from his right will get you not only an advocate, but he also gets you your intercessor. Ah, somebody say intercessor. He's not only my advocate, but he's my intercessor. Oh, uh, both aspects, though, Jesus is speaking on my behalf. Oh, I love it. The advocate speaks and the intercessor speaks, but they speak different things for different situations. Uh, so look at the text here. And uh, Romans 8.34 says, who is the one who condemns? Uh, Christ Jesus is he who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. What does he do there? What does he do? He also intercedes for us. So when you look up into the left, you're going to find a Jesus who is interceding for you. Am I open anybody here? So Paul says that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God to be our intercessor. And an intercessor is one who intervenes on behalf of another. I like that Jesus is close to the Father because Jesus may need to speak up when the Father is ready to clobber us. When the Father is displeased, our intercessor will speak in. He will intercede. He will intervene on our behalf. He is one who reasons it better to where it can be better understood and received. Jesus will say, Daddy, listen, they're not saying it right. They're not apologizing right. Have you ever tried your best to apologize, but it's not good enough? Have you ever tried your best to do what they were asking, but it's not good enough? Have you ever been in a position where the person, the power you're trying to please is not pleased with you and somebody steps in, hallelujah, and begins to articulate it better? Oh, man, I remember the days when a friend of mine was trying to buy a new car and the salesperson wasn't listening to them. And I went down and I talked to them and bless God they drove off with a car because I interceded. When things don't seem to be going your way, God can intercede. I remember when Joy got her first car and she was her own car and they were asked, well, you know, did your first car, you don't have all this. They said, well, write us a letter. My letter was intercession. I wrote a letter on her behalf and they said, wow, this is such a great letter. She drove off the lot in her brand new car. What I'm trying to tell you is when things aren't going right. You're applying for a job and it ain't looking like they're going to give it to you. When you're trying to get that boy, you're trying to get the pills or the medicine from the doctor. You're trying to get the treatment and it don't look like it's going right. Somebody look up then to the left. Your interceder will come in and move on somebody's heart and say, well, we reconsider. Get dog it. Has anybody ever had something be reconsidered and God gives you the answer you need? He's the one who reasons it better. He is able to be a mediator when we can't talk. He speaks up to reconcile differences between people we're arguing with. The interceder will say, hold on, y'all two, shut up. Stop fighting. I'm here to make it right. Has anybody ever seen God step in the middle of an argument? I need God to come in my family. I need God to come in my finances. I need God to step in between two church folk who are fighting. I need God to 
get in between Democrats and Republicans. I need God to get in between black folk and white folk and stop this racism. We need an interceder. Somebody say we need an interceder, but that's not all you will find when looking up and glancing left. Are you tired yet? I mean, my God, well, dang. I mean, if I'm looking up and looking left, that, that's not all I get. Well, PC, what else I get? I get the castigator of my enemies. Oh, shoot, shin, diggity, pop, willity. Castigator of our enemies. You say, what's a castigator? Is that like an alligator? Not quite, but uh, let me explain it to you. Explain it, Lucy. Hebrews one thirty. 13 says, but to which of the angels, let me make it clear, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? He didn't give that seat to the angel. He didn't do it. Hebrews 1.13. Let me tell you something. He's the castigator of our enemies. So watch this now. Hebrews 1.13. I know, I know we often look to angels to help us. And I even pray that the angels of the Lord encamp around about me and my family daily. That's true. But what I realized from this text is that the angels don't have the power over my enemy. Oh, I'm preaching to somebody. The angels are like gods or guards. The angels are like walls of protection, but they themselves don't have the power to destroy the enemy because he didn't give the power to the angels. The only one who can destroy your enemy is the one who sits at the right hand. So you don't look at the angel. Why? Because the angels, where are the angels? The angels are here on earth around you. So they are at eye level. So you can't look to the angel because they are where you are. But you must learn to do what? Look up and to the left. And that's where you will see the power of the castigator of your enemy. And the angels serve to surround us long enough until you can look up to the castigator. The angels are there to protect you long enough to get a prayer through. The angels are there long enough for you to be able to look to heaven's opening. The angels will surround you and say, we got you. Get the prayer through. Go on and pray. Call on the Holy Ghost. Do what you need to do. We got you. Come on. The angels don't have the power because the angels don't sit at the right hand. Look at the text again. Let me show you what the text said. He says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand until I I make the enemies a footstool of your feet. Nobody. The question is rhetorical. He says, I ain't give it to the angels, but I gave it to Jesus. Look at the next text. He's the castigator of my enemies. And Matthew twenty two forty four said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Why? Until I put your enemies beneath your feet. So the one sitting on the right has the enemy under his foot. Somebody say Amen. So when I look up and to the left, I'm looking above my enemy because God's foot is on those who oppress me. So he is the castigator of my enemy because he keeps his foot on their head. So he says, the right hand seat belongs to only one, and that's Jesus. And do you remember the disciples? The the disciples, stupid, never mind, don't mean that disrespectfully. But you know, those ambitious disciples said, uh, one of the mothers came up, uh, James and John, the the sons of thunder, and said, will you let my son sit on your right hand? And they said, Jesus said, hold up, miss, are you lost? Can they drink the cup that I drink of? Can they deal with the cross that I'm about to bear, will they be able, this is what it is, will they be able to sit at the right hand of the throne of God and handle all the requests when they come through, when people are looking up to heaven and slightly to the left, can your sons, James and John, handle what I'm called to, (laughs) and they said, look here, he said, that seat is not for me to give, but it's for my father, and the father said, it only belongs to one, and his name is Jesus, (laughs) so what you're going to see when you look up, you're going to see the castigator of your enemies. They couldn't handle what he was saying, but Psalm 46 said, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in the time of trouble. So even Psalm 27 says, when the wicked, even my enemies, come upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fail. Why? Because the castigator of my enemies is in charge. Some 
sometimes all you need to do is say help and God is on the way. The Bible says in Isaiah, before you call, I hear you. While you're yet speaking, help is on the way. Come on, somebody. Jesus says the power of my voice is able to get there faster than the power of your prayer. I'm there before you even speak it. All I want you to do is acknowledge me. And how do we acknowledge God? Look up and look left. How dare you come to God and you won't even make eye contact. Even your parents say, look me in the eye and tell me, talk to me. God says the same. Look at me in my heart. Look at me in my eyes. So when your enemies are circling, look up to the left. When your haters are out to do you in for the job, look up and to the left. When your ex won't be happy till they see you living in a cardboard box. That's true. Look up and to the left. Amen. When the devil is frothing at the mouth because he can't stop God's blessings on your life. Look up and to the left. But check this one out. This ain't it, Joy. This is the last one. Exodus 15, 6 says. He makes it clearer than day. He says, your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, does what? Shatters the enemy. I'm looking to the right hand of God, which is the glance of my left eye. Because when I look at the left, the left has power. My left, his right, has power to do what? Shatter my enemy. What does shatter mean? Crush him. Annihilate. Disintegrate. Decompose. Break down. Obliterate. Destroy. Lock out. Make obsolete. God has the power. Whoever you're worried about, whatever you're worried about, if you learn how to look up and to the left, he has the power in his right hand to shatter whatever you're dealing with. He says, the one on my right hand, he says, he's sitting there and I'll make every enemy his footstool. He says, I've got the power to shatter any trouble you're dealing with. He specializes in castigating enemies. His right hand is my left glance and my left glance puts the power to work. When I look at him, he says, I got you. Pow! He knocks him out. Did you ever play Pac-Man? You can eat him. You can eat him. You can eat him. Did you ever play Donkey Kong? You had to knock him. Did you ever have Bop It, Bop It, the game at the arcade? Bop It, Bop It. God said, I'm crushing your enemies. He said, you keep looking to me. I'm crushing your debt. I'm crushing your ex. I'm crushing your haters. I'm crushing your unemployment. I'm crushing the sickness and the bacteria in your body. I'm crushing everything that tries to come against what I'm doing. God, I wish I had somebody who understood what I'm saying. Why wouldn't you look up first? We're so Chris, Chris, we're so quick, baby sister, to call on baby and call on sea dog. We call on triple clip. We call on red. But the psalmist said it like this. He says, I will look toward the hills from whence comes my help because my help comes from the Lord. Are the hills under you? No. Hills are always up and to the left. Come on somebody. I look to the hills and lastly, we will find this. Oh Latanya, we will find the perjure of our sins. Somebody say hallelujah. I feel like hooping like a Baptist preacher but I can't even hoop Hebrews 1 and 3 says it like this and and he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power that when he made purification of sins He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So look at the text. It says, when he made purification of sins, 
He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Let me break this down before I close. What Jesus is saying, he says, only one can forgive sins, and that's God. So he starts out the text by saying, I am the exact representation of the one who is to my left. Jesus, God the Father was to the left of Jesus. And he's saying, I am the exact representation. He says, so when you look to me, you're actually looking at the Father. And so the disciples said, show us the Father. And Jesus, John 14, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So everybody who's worried, I need to look to God. I looked to I need to look to God. No. The protocol and the process is God said, look to Jesus. And when you see Jesus, you'll see me. I have made him the physical bodied representation of me. God the Father is spirit. And so God unites us with a human who came to earth, died on earth, rose again, now sits in glory and says, I've been through what you've been through. Ask me to get you through it. You going through it. I got the power to get you through it. I'm the perjurer of your sins. I've got the power to forgive you of sins. If And the point is, if I can purge from sin, I deserve this seat because only God can purge sin. Only God can forgive sin. So he says, Jesus is at the right hand to dispose of all of our sins. So Jesus sits there because he has conquered everything you've done wrong. So when you sin and feel guilty, look up and to the left. Been there, baby, done that. I felt like I can't go to church because I was sinning. Jesus said, you better come on anyway. But when you come, look up and to the left. God, I wish I was talking to somebody so that when you sin, look up to the left. He's sitting there. Watch this with a trash bag for everything you've done wrong. On the right hand of the Father is a God, is a Savior, is a Christ who has a trash bag for every sin you have in your life. This is a bad example, Joy. Take the kids out. It might get nasty. This is a bad example, but I sometimes have bouts with dehydration because I'm a water baby and I love hot water. I like to stay too long in the jacuzzi and I stay too long in the bathtub. And so a couple weeks ago, I stayed way too long and dehydration will cause you to recurgitate what little you have left in you. So I stayed too long. I passed out on the floor, but thank God wifey walked in right at the same time. Jesus knew how to plan it, so I got out right when I passed out right when she was driving up. And so the dehydration caused me to barf up stuff that needed to come out. Joy said, oh my, what is this? Wait a minute. Joy said, wait, what is this? She said, wait a minute. What? What is happening? He said all of that stuff is coming up and it's coming out. But Joy did her best to have the bag by me. But she couldn't get there fast enough. And so we had to do a little bit of cleaning up. But my point is God is at the right hand of the Father. And when we look to the left and glance over on the side of his chair, we'll see a plastic bag that's waiting for us to throw up all the sin in our life. He's not going to miss it. I remember when my daughter was sick and she threw up. She said, Daddy, I'm throwing up. And I had a bag right there and I cut it. All the stuff that was on the inside that need to come out went into the bag. (laughs) The Bible says as far as the east is from the west, so God has cast your sins away from you. So God puts it in the bag and then he whirls it around and he throws it as far away from you as possible. (laughs) He's saying it's got to come up. Jesus is saying to somebody, it's got to come up. You're lying and you're stealing, it's got to come up. You're cheating and whoremongering, it's got to come up. Your infidelity and your overeating and gluttonous life 
lifestyle has got to come up. Your attitude and cussing people out has got to come up. Your smoking and your drinking and your drug dealing and street walking has got to come up. And how does it come up, Shana? Look up and to the left. <laughs> That's all I need to do. Cast my sins upon the Lord. And he's got a bag waiting to catch everything that needs to come up. He holds my sins in the palm of his hands. And he's got the power to throw it away from me. So what you going to find when you look to the left? You're going to find Jesus, the perjurer of your sin. You ought to be thanking God right now. That whatever I cough up, he'll catch up. And he'll throw it away from me at the moment's notice. Let me give you a close here. Here's my conclusion. And I see this young woman with her glasses on. I didn't want the women to feel like it was only the man who could look up to the left. But she got her glasses on and she got a smile on her face. And when I do this conclusion, I'm referencing Luke 17, 12 through 19. The story about the 10 lepers, you can read it on your own time. But I conclude today's lesson by encouraging you to do what Jesus told the 10 lepers when they came to him for healing. Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. I want somebody to go show yourself to the priest. In other words, the emphasis is on show. In other words, something that needs to be seen. In other words, go see God. I'm telling somebody today, go see God. Look up to heaven and to the left and put your gaze upon heaven. Let the priest see you and you look upon the priest. You're dying of leprosy because you failed to look up. You're dying of sickness because you failed to look up. You're looking at Tyrone. You're looking at your co-workers. You're looking at Lisa. You're looking at Shindig. You're looking at the bank. You're looking at the people on your job to do what only God can do for you. And God said, go show yourself to the priest. Somebody needs to look up to heaven. He says, go be seen by the holy man because the priest was the only one who could declare them clean. He said, you got to go see the priest because the priest is the only one who can declare you clean. Some of you have gotten church and church has got you, but you ain't clean because you didn't look up to God. The church ain't the healer. The church is like the angel. It facilitates you. It gives you a building and a place where you can look up in safety. In other words, we give you parameters. We give you songs. We give you worship. We give you ushers. We give you preaching to help you do what? Look up to the priest. Go show yourself the priest. I ain't got no power. This church ain't got no power. We ain't got enough money to deliver you, but look up to the priest. When you come to this church, you gotta look up to the God who's able to change you. So there are a slew of us who are lepers in our own right, but we fail to look up and we fail to look left to the high priest who is clearly positioned for our needs, our desires, and our wants. How foolish will we continue to be by looking to others before we look to God? And the Bible says that as the 10 lepers walked to go see the priests, they were healed along the way. But only one turned around to tell Jesus, thank you. We come every Sunday to see the priests, not me, but God. But you're looking at the camera when you should be looking up with a slight glance to the left. <laughs> Have you ever come to church feeling one way? But by the time the service was over, whatever you were upset about was gone. That's what God is saying. He says, come to church. And while you're on your way, he says, I'll heal it for you. He says, just go see the priest. And don't worry about it. Well, it's not changed. So you're saying, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And it ain't changed. He says, just praise me. Because on the way, while you're praising me, while you're worshiping me, he says, I'll heal you. Our job is to get to the priest. Well, who's the priest? The priest is Jesus. He's the high priest. Read Hebrews chapter 4, 5, and 6. It'll tell you that. He's the high priest. Go see the priest. And while you're on your way, you are healed. I've been doing things and I didn't even know it changed 
because I was so wrapped up in loving God, I didn't even know that the desire had left me. God changed it because I pursued him. And that's like the 10 lepers. You were healed on the journey to see the priests. And that's all church is. It's a journey to see the priest. And along the way, many of us get the healing we need because we have learned to look up and glance left. But won't you turn around today? Won't you be like the one leper who turned around to tell God, thank you. Those of you who came to church, you got a word. Maybe you saw God in a real way today. I'm not that articulate of a preacher, but maybe the spirit opened heaven and said something to you, looked in your eyes and you looked into his and God in a one-on-one conversation gave you revelation about your life. Won't you turn around and say thank you? Won't you come to the altar today to apologize for not looking unto Jesus and ignoring why he has been placed there? I tried to show you that he's seated at the right hand for a reason. He's there for you to look at. And when you look at him, what you're going to find? The author and the finisher of your faith. You're going to find the one with all authority. You're going to find your advocate. You're going to find your intercessor. You're going to find the castigator of your enemies and you're going to find the purger of your sins. <laughs> You'll be a fool not to look up. Come on. Woo, I feel that one. <laughs> He's sitting there for you. He's sitting there for us. It's his right hand, but it's our left glance that will make all the difference in our lives moving forward. And I dare you at this moment, to just look up and look left and see what you can see. I'm PC and that's all I've got.